she sees Cause thanks to her I'm walking with the Lord Oh, to hear her once again Wrap herself around that hill Lord, if I could just go back once more In the sweet by Good morning, Harmony Stand up with us it may be snowing outside, but it's nice and warm in here. We are going to have an awesome day. Singing about the victory we have in Jesus. First thing, smile. Now sing out with me right here. I heard an old, old story. How a Savior came from glory. How he gave his life. somebody this morning, tell them you're glad to see them. Don't you just love the snow outside? Yeah, me neither. All right, sing this last verse with me right here. I heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory, and I heard about the street of gold beyond the crystal sea about the angels singing and the old redemption story and some sweet day i'll sing up there the song of victory this band. Don't they do a great job? Awesome. You may be seated. 
Well, good morning and welcome to Harmony. Whether you're in person or online today, we are glad that you are with us. And I know that some of you would say, hey, weather's not supposed to be like this today. Um, and I would agree with you. Can I just tell you, uh, last Sunday, got up, went to church with about 500 other pastors, and then we had the opportunity to go to the beach. Um, this morning... Uh, How many of you would like to be at the beach this morning, a a warm place? Well, here is the truth, uh, okay? We can't be there. We're here, so we're just going to have to be where we are and make the best of it. And we're going to have an incredible time together uh, today as we uh, talk about the remarkable life of Jesus and how he can make a difference in our life. And I know that there are many people today uh, that need Jesus to make a difference in their life. I want to ask you uh, to uh, join in in prayer with me in just a moment. We want to pray uh, for the Robinson family. Vicki Robinson passed away uh, yesterday. She's now in her heavenly home, uh, and we are thankful for that, and we rejoice in that, uh, but our hearts are heavy and our hearts hurt today, uh, and we want want to ask you to pray for uh, Larry uh, and then Casey and Corey and Aretta are here with us uh, today, so please pray for them, uh, that God would uh, take care of them, comfort them, strengthen them, as only he can. Then I want to ask you to pray for uh, Jenny Limeberry and uh, Angie Crockett and the others in the family as their mom uh, passed away uh, yesterday evening uh, as well. So let's uh, hold those two families up in prayer. And I know that there are many others that are walking through a difficult time. I'll be doing a funeral uh, for uh, the parents of uh, Jeff uh, Smith. Jeff and Lynn and his family uh, attend here when they're able to come. Uh, and uh, both of his parents have passed away due to COVID. Uh, and I'll be doing that funeral uh, on Tuesday. So So please pray for uh, the Smith family, that God will be uh, with them uh, during this time. Uh, No matter who we are and no matter what's taken place, uh, we all have challenges in life. And uh, the the victory that we need comes from Jesus. And no matter who we are and no matter where we're at, we can receive that hope and help uh, in him. And today I just want to encourage you uh, to be praying for one another. We had an incredible time yesterday uh, here. All that uh, helped with the bazaar, the outreach, the ladies' ministry event. We want to thank you for that. It was a great time, and uh, thank you for participating and making that a successful day. Want to uh, also thank those that participated in the Dare to Share event with uh, our Next Gen Ministry. I know they had an awesome time going out uh, and learning about Jesus, and then sharing their faith uh, as well. Uh, so we've got some good things taking place. Up in the last of November, the last weekend of November, uh, Scott Davis is going to be here with us. He is a Christian comedian, singer, songwriter, and uh, you're going to love the the laughter that he brings uh, to our gathering on on that Sunday at 10 a.m. So you want to make certain and uh, be here and join us for that. And then real quick, men, I want to invite you to come out for a prayer breakfast uh, next Saturday morning, 9 o'clock over in Founders Chapel, uh, and it'll be a good time as we gather together. But before we go any further in the service today, let's uh, pray and just ask God uh, to do what only he can do. Lord, we come to you today and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the things that you have done. And Lord, we thank you for the things that you're going to do. And last week, uh, we heard from Mark 13 and Gary shared a message on the second coming of Christ and uh, what that really means and and what it's all about. And, And Lord, today we look at Mark chapter 14 and we look at one passage of scripture and we discover what we do in the place that we're in can impact what's going on in the places that other people will find themselves in. And uh, Lord, I just ask that you would help us. And Lord, for the families that are hurting today, for those that are experiencing loss and grief, I ask that you would be with them, that you would comfort them, and and Father, that you would give them what only you can give them, uh, and that is your help and your hope during this time. Father, be with us during our time together today, for it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us one more time? As we sing these next couple songs, when we learn to follow Jesus, we do two things. We put ourselves aside, and then we ask him to work in our lives. And that's what these next two songs are all about. If you don't know this one, you'll catch along real quick. It says, less like me. That's what we need to be. So sing with me right here. Oh, I have days I lose the fight. Try my best, but just don't get it right. Where I talk a talk that I don't walk, miss the moments right before my eyes. 
Somebody with a hurt that I could have helped. Somebody with a hand that I could have held. When I just can't see past myself, Lord, help me be a little more like mercy, a little more like grace, a little more like kindness, goodness, love, and faith. A little more like patience, a little more like peace, a little more like Jesus. A little less like me. Yeah, there's no denying I have changed. I've been saved from who I used to be. But even at my best, I must confess, I still need help to see the way you see. Somebody with a hurt that I could have helped. Somebody with a hand that I could have held. When I just can't see past myself, Lord, help me be a little more like mercy, a little more like grace, a little more like kindness, goodness, love, and faith. A little more like patience, a little more like peace, a little more like Jesus. A little less like me. Oh, to feed the beggar on the street. Love to be your hands and feet. Freely give what I receive. Lord, help me be. I want to put you first above all else. Love my neighbor as myself. In the moments no one sees. Lord, help me be. Lord, help me be. A little more like mercy, a little more like grace, a little more like kindness, goodness, love, and faith. A little more like patience, a little more like peace, a little more like Jesus, a little less like me, a little more I'm living, everything I preach, a little more like Jesus. A little less like me. When we learn to set ourselves aside and let him work in our lives and through our lives, then we can sing this song from the heart. He is a way maker. He's a promise keeper. He's a miracle worker. So as Don leads this song, sing out from the heart and ask him to be with you this morning.
Father, I'm so thankful that you are the way maker. When there seems to be no way, you make a way. You promise to be there for us. You are the promise keeper. Father, you're a miracle. A miracle worker starting in my life with the day you gave me salvation. So, Father, I pray that as we talk about you this morning and learn more about you and your life, that you would open our hearts and our minds to the words that you've given John this morning. Father, be with us in a way that only you can. And we thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, we have an incredible God who is a waymaker. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that he's a waymaker. When we need a way to get through something, around something, over something, beyond something, he is the one that can and does make uh, away. Now, for the past several weeks and, and actually months, we've been talking about the story of Jesus, the life of Jesus from the perspective of, of Mark and his writings. And today we come to Mark chapter 14, and we're going to take a look at, at maybe uh, just a, a simple phrase that Jesus gives us that just said, she did what she could. If you don't remember anything else that I'm, I'm going to ask you to remember today, I, I just want to encourage you to remember this she did what she could. Those are the words of Jesus speaking about an individual that is unnamed in this passage of Scripture. Now, we can compare some passages of Scripture. We can put it together, and we can probably figure out who it was. But this unnamed person is defended by Jesus, and she's described with this simple phrase, she did what she she could. You know, when people do what they can, when they do what they could, amazing things take place. There's a, a picture up on our screen, and it's, it's of uh, Coca-Cola. Uh, and uh, here's something that I learned last week as I was uh, learning more about missions and some of the partnerships uh, that we have and that we celebrate and people that we partner with. 97% of the world has access to Coca-Cola and their products but 33% of the world have no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to think about that for, for just a moment. 97% of the world has access to a drink. But 33% of the world doesn't have access to Jesus, the one that makes an eternal difference. Let that sink in for just a moment. How does that happen? And it happens because a, a group of people in a, a city called Atlanta got together and said, you know what, we have a product and our goal is to put it in every hand of every person on the face of the earth. Here's something that Dr. David Nelms with the Timothy Initiative said ought to really scare us. The church was given a command to take a message 2,000 years ago of the love of Jesus and put it in the hearts and lives and make it accessible to every person on the face of the earth everywhere. And we had an 1,800-year head start on the Coke company. And they're way ahead of us. Why? Because those executives and those 
business minds that sat around that table when they crafted the vision and said, we're going to put it in every hand on somebody in the face of the earth. We want to make it accessible to them. Do you know what they did? They did what they could. Not what was easy, not what was comfortable, not, not what everybody else always thought was, was the way to go. They did what they could. They said, we have something and, and we believe in it and, and we want to get it to others. So, so they did what they could. There's a, another picture that's, that's going to come up on, on the screen now, a, a graphic. And, and I just want to show it to you because it, it makes a, a tremendous impact you see, when you, when you take a look at that, for some of you, you're wondering what that is. That those are stacks of paper that are placed up on tables on a stage. Those stacks of paper come from about 23 nations, 23 countries. And in those 23 countries, I want you to, to just take this in. Those pieces of paper took more than 36 hours straight of, of copying to be able to produce and put in this setting. Those pieces of paper represent 1.4 million villages. Not people, 1.4 million villages. Where there is no Christian or no church in 23 countries. How did that come about? Because four ministries came together and said, you know what, it's time for us to do what we could. You see, alone, they, they had identified maybe... 15 to 20% of that list on their own. But when they all came together and they began to say, look, we need to do what we can. We need to do what we could. 1.4 million villages are identified on those pieces of paper. 1.4 million villages that have no, no Christian, no place to go to church like we're gathered here today. How do we change that? How do we offset that? The Timothy Initiative has created the coalition of the willing. And they said, anybody that wants to come alongside of us, anybody that wants to partner with us, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the gospel and we're going to train a church planner and we're going to go ahead and get a pastor in these villages so that people just like you and I living in another location across the face of the earth can begin to know who Jesus is and can know the hope and love that Jesus can bring into their life. Yes, last Saturday afternoon, not yesterday, a week ago, Saturday, had the opportunity to spend time with a, a man that's a, a church planner, 30, 32 years old, from a, a city in Southeast Asia that remains unnamed and, and undisclosed. And I wish I could show a picture of him and his family and, and, and many others that were there, but, but we can't do that because you jeopardize what they're doing. But the, the region that he lives in and the city that he is from and that, that he came and, and shared about there's 25 million people in his city. 25 million people. They're all just packed in a little bitty cubicle area comparative to, to the city size that, that we have in, in our country. 25 million people. And here's what he says. We're, we're just committed to, to doing what we can. And I said, aren't you a, a, afraid of, of what can happen and, and all the other things because in your country it's illegal to try and convert somebody to Jesus. And his response, big smile sitting on his face, hanging out with, with some pastors in, in America, he says, no, it's, it's really no big deal because we know that Jesus is the answer. Did you know what he's doing? He's doing what he could. Not, not what's comfortable, not what's easy, not, not what everybody else was doing. He's just doing what he could. And, and what he could do is to tell people about Jesus. And in spite of what others might say is the popular way to live 
your life. So, so think about this for, for just a moment. Coke says, look, we want our product in every hand on the face of the earth, and they do everything they can to, to put it there. The church has, has given something that, that's eternal, and, and, and that means it lasts forever, and, and we have the opportunity to give people help for today, hope for tomorrow, in the name of Jesus, in a relationship with him, yet 33% of the world does not have access to it. And can I tell you something? Those 1.4 villages represent people that have no access, that 33%. Uh, Nearly two-thirds of those 33% live right there. Yet think about this for for just a moment. How many of you, and I'm going to ask you a question they asked us, how many of you have, have gone through life and had multiple people tell you about Jesus, other than the paid professional up here? When's, when's the last time someone told you about Jesus in everyday life setting? For some of you, you would say, nobody has ever told me about Jesus. For, for some of you, you, you would say, look, there, there's been a, a time or two a, a, along the way where, where someone has, has told me about Jesus. But, but for many of us, we would say, you know what, as I think back over it, it's, it's never happened. There's never been that moment where, where somebody came alongside of me and got to know me and built a relationship and, and told me that I needed to know about Jesus. Yet, yet, think about this. When people come into our homes and when we go to a, a place to eat and, and whatever, we, we offer them something to drink, right? There's the Coke product. We, we give it to them in our homes. How, how are we going to offset And how are we going to make a difference? We have to come to a place where we're willing to do what we could. And in Mark chapter 14, we're going to look at a couple of verses quickly this morning and make an application. Because here's what we're going to discover in Mark chapter 14. In Mark chapter 14, we're going to discover that what we do in a place as a person is going to go ahead and and not only linger in that place, but it's going to be carried to other places that we go and that other people go. So what we do, when we do what we could, and where we do it at, and how we do it, does really matter. Let's take a look at Mark chapter 14. Here's what the the Bible says in Mark chapter 14. It, It tells us, it says, after two days it was the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might take him by trickery and put him to death. The hymn is, is Jesus. You see, the, the Jewish people and many others have come together to anticipate that the Passover, and it's a celebratory time where, where they're looking for one who's going to come and, and give his life for the forgiveness of sins. And, and some of the religious people didn't, didn't like how things were turning out, so they said, you know what, we really ought to get rid of this Jesus guy because he's, he's cramping our style. But in verse number two, it says this, but they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. And then it says this, and being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask, a very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, why was this fragrant oil wasted for it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor and they criticized her sharply that that means they just jumped all over very quickly they i mean they were quick and to the point and and nobody was doubting what had just happened so jesus said this verse number six let her alone why do you trouble her she has done a good work for me, for you have the, the poor with you always, and whatever you wish, you may do them good, but me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Now think about that for, for just a moment. Jesus said she has done what she could, and then he sums all of it up and he says, look, what she could do, she did, and it will be remembered. Wherever 
I go, wherever the gospel is, is presented, this is going to be remembered. Let's just walk down through this passage of scripture real quick. The Bible says they're at, at Bethany. Well, if we go ahead and read through scripture, here's what we're going to discover about Bethany. Bethany was, was uh, a, a simple place, all right? So let's just talk about the place that is laid out in the, the, the scripture here in Mark chapter 14. Uh, the, the place of, of Bethany is a, a little city and, and probably a seemingly insignificant town when we begin to look at what's going to unfold in this story and, and throughout scripture. We, we know that Mary and Martha and Lazarus are from Bethany, right? And Jesus went to, to Bethany a, a couple of times. Scholars would tell us that Bethany was, was very close to the Mount of Olives where, where Jesus would ascend. And, and they would also say that Bethany is most likely very close to where Jesus will return. Bethany was a place where, where Jesus hung out and he spent time. There were relationships that were there. When we look at the place called Bethany, we would look and here's what we're going to discover. We're going to discover that it's a very common, ordinary place. Sometimes we think that the places of this life, in order to be meaningful, in order to be significant, have to be known for something, right? As, as people, we, we feel that way, right? And sometimes we want to come from a place that's really important. We want to come from a background that, that we think really matters. But, but here's the deal. When we look at the place called Bethany, we're not looking at a cosmopolitan area where, where it's a shipping port, where people are coming from all over to get one thing. Here's what we know about Bethany in a nutshell, that Jesus spent time there, and, and sometimes he retreated there, and, and he spent time with his friends. Imagine the opportunity to have Jesus in your place. Imagine the opportunity to be able to, to sit down and ask him questions and to hang out and have dinner with him because that's exactly what's taking place. We're kind of like at a dinner party in, in the town of Bethany and Jesus is there. But when we look at this place, when we look at Bethany, here's what we discover. It may have been a place of retreat for Jesus, but it was often a place of miracles, right? Jesus had already raised the dead. I wonder what people were thinking in Bethany on that day. I wonder if they were thinking, man, I wonder what he's going to do next. I mean, just a, a short time ago when he was here, he called Lazarus out of the grave. He, he, he was able to bring the dead to life. It was a place of, of miracles. Can I just, just kind of share this with you this morning? That any place where Jesus is at has the potential to be a place of miracles. And any place Jesus goes, any place that Jesus is present, something unusual, something that you can't figure out, something that you can't wrap your mind around completely, it has the opportunity to, to take place there. Whether that place seems to be significant or not, it's absolutely amazing when you begin to trace through where Jesus showed up or where prophecies would, would be given about what was going to happen. And where Jesus would, would come from and, and how often they seem so insignificant. But here's what we need to understand. There are no insignificant places when it comes to Jesus. You see, the, the place may not be some place that we heard of. And it may not be some place that we would, would say is, is all that influential. But, but can I tell you something? When you sit around with a group of church planners, and you realize that, that one young man that's now a young man, when he was six years old, his father was brutally beaten for telling somebody about Jesus. And when they took food to the jail that his father was in, there was a, a, a mob outside in the city in which they lived, and they said, there's his wife and children, let's go get them. And they ran for their life. And when dad was released from jail, he comes home and, and there's what used to be a house, a foundation that's charred because it was burnt down. And that father thinks, wow, while I was gone in jail for telling people about Jesus and, and pastoring a church and doing exactly what we're doing here right now, 
My family was, was burned to death, but somebody got in contact with him and said, no, there were some other people that cared about him, and, and we got him about 100 miles away from here. And a young man that went through that at the age of six is now a church planner, and his dad is up in years, but you know what his dad's been doing since four o'clock this morning? He's been up in prayer preparing for the, the services that they would have. And four o'clock in the morning is his normal routine to get up and pray for the power and presence of God in his life. He doesn't come from a place that we can even disclose. He doesn't come from a place that's a, a major city where people want to go. The place is not always that important. But what is important, it's a place where Jesus is at in the hearts and lives of his people and there are people there that are saying, look, we'll do what we can. We'll do what we could. And when you see a young man that's not even into his late 20s or early 30s yet, and people say, how can you do what you're doing knowing what your father has been through? And his response is, it's what Jesus told us to do. How could I not? You begin to ask yourself the question, are we doing what we could or are we just doing what's comfortable? Are we just doing what feels okay, what works okay, what's good for us? You see, there's people in places all over the world right now, and I promise you, they're doing what they, they could. And for many of them, they have far less education. They have far less resource. They have zero freedom. But they've got a passion for Jesus. And the place where they are at, often the harder it is, the harder they work because they realize the seriousness of it and the brevity of life. Well, let's think about what, what we see in that passage of Scripture. We see there in Bethany. But then we, we see the place, but we see the person. The person in this passage of scripture that, that gets the, the main accolade is, is the woman that, that is unnamed. The, the woman that, that we really don't know her name from Mark's perspective. As I said a, a little bit ago, we could walk through and piece passages of scripture together and look at John and compare and, and see that, that it's probably Mary. One that, that would have been comfortable around Jesus and Jesus would have been comfortable around and, and others would, would have known as well. But, but here's what we have. We have an unnamed woman and, and here's what we want to focus on. It says, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. It's a, a humble act of being a servant, a humble act of doing what she could. We have that person. We have Simon a leper. He's in a house. Why, why is that so important? Because he'd obviously been healed by Jesus. You see, when, when you were a leper, and, and in case you don't know what leprosy is, leprosy is a, a disease of, of the skin where your flesh just begins to, to rot off. You have open sores, and it literally just begins to, to, to rot off, open wounds that, that people are just walking through, and, and they go through life, and in this day, they, they would have been sent to a, a several house, meaning they would have lived in a, in a leper colony. They would have lived in a place that was reserved for lepers, and if they were out in the public for any reason at all, here's what they had to say, unclean, unclean, unclean. Now, now, for the past 18 months, if you've coughed out loud in a public place, you felt uncomfortable, right? I mean, you, you automatically apologize, right? I mean, that's just what has happened. When we first started doing uh, the, the, the service online and no, no one was here, well, we, were, we were in, our team was here, and, and we were in, and, and, and it was a discussion uh, topic and a study, and, and I coughed, and I apologized, and I'm like, they're who am I apologizing to? What am I apologizing for? All of a sudden, that there's an awareness that, that's there. These lepers did that 
all of the time. They would walk through and they would say, unclean, unclean, unclean. Isn't it amazing that the person that, that does some things for Jesus is an unnamed woman, and then he's at the home of Simon the leper, one who had been unclean, but Jesus takes him and he changes his life and brings healing to his heart and healing to his body. It's absolutely incredible what Jesus can do with a life that's given to him. Yet we, we go a little bit further into the people that are, are gathered there and, and who else is gathered there. It, it looks like the disciples are gathered there. Some people that, that know who Jesus is, some people that, that follow Jesus. And, and, and as we begin to, to go ahead and, and look at, at what happens, we, we see an unnamed woman come in and she gives a, a humble act of service to Jesus. There's a leper that, that's there, and obviously he's been healed, and then the disciples are there, but the Bible goes on to describe what she was doing, and, and let's just take a moment and talk about the, the perfume, because there's spikenard, there's an alabaster box, and, 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 and things that are there, so, so let's just talk about this. We, we have the place, we have the person, well now we get to the, perfu the perfume. What is an alabaster box? Well, it was a, a box that, that literally was made of, of, of like a precious stone, a precious rarity that would come from the, the Far East. So it's not something that they just went down and picked up at, at the local store. It's something that would have been brought in from the, the Far East. And it was a, an alabaster flask, all right, and it has something that's inside of it. It has a very costly oil called spikenard. It's a, an herb that's grown primarily in this day and in our day in the Himalaya mountain range. Now, for just a moment, realize this. She's got an alabaster flask or a box, as some translations would have, and it contains this very costly oil that comes from an herb that's grown in a region that's not nearby. Obviously, their supply chain was doing a little bit better than ours. They had some things that were needed. They held on to them. But then the Bible says this. Then she broke the flask and she poured it on his head. I want you to think for, for just a moment of two things, broke and poured. I, I don't want to talk about very costly. I just want to talk about broke and poured. But, because the, the, the perfume is, is a very costly perfume. But, but here's what happens. She, she broke it. What, why did she break it? They, they, they tell us that in that day, they would have taken the, the neck, and because it was sealed so tight and sealed so well, that they would have had to have broken the, the flask in, in, in order to, to get it open and get the contents out. So, so she broke it, and here's what would happen. They would use all of it. They held nothing back. It was reserved for something and someone that was special. And in a setting like this, scholars say it was used for a distinguished guest. Now, I don't know about you, but I would say that Jesus was pretty distinguished. Who was anointed in the Bible? The people that were anointed were often your prophets, was often a priest, it was often a king. Jesus came as a prophet, priest, and a king, fulfills all of those roles, but the Messiah literally means the anointed one. So sitting at this table in, in Bethany, we have a lady that's unnamed come in, and she takes a very costly ointment, and, and here's what she does. The, the, the best that she can, she, she breaks the neck of that flask, and she begins to pour it out over Jesus, and the perfume begins to, to fill the air, and the scent and the aroma of the air begins to change. And immediately, her overwhelming act of humility and generosity begins to go ahead and create a problem. Why, why, 
was there a problem? Why was there this protest? Let's, let's just think about it for, for just a moment. Why does it seem to be a problem? Well, some of the disciples, and Judas being one of them, all of a sudden they, they get upset and, and they said, look, why was this gift, why was this perfume, why was this flask, why was it consumed in this way? Why was it used up on Jesus? Translation, why did she waste it on Jesus? Because we could have done something for the poor. Could have been sold for 300 denarii. 300 denarii, by the way, in their day, was a year's worth of wages. So when it says it's very costly, it's not like going down to the department store and guys, you're like, well, I'm going to get my my wife something that's really going to impress her and I'm going to spring for the $50 bottle of perfume this time. This is... A year's worth of wages. This is a moment where it's all in. A resource that would have allowed her to do so many other things and open up so many other opportunities, yet she breaks it and she pours it out all over Jesus and there's a problem that's created and the problem that is created is this. We could have done something for the poor. We could have done something for someone else. Yet, when we begin to, to look at all of those things, Jesus is going to say, you know what? The poor, they're going to be around with you for a long time. But I'm not. So, so what she's done, she's, she's done it for me. Do you ever wonder if anybody left that scene and went and did something for the poor. Do you know what I've discovered? Most of the time, those that are the critic are those that specialize in doing nothing at all but being critical. Because when, when you begin to, to go and, and look, one of the things that, that we see in, in all of the, the life of Jesus, Judas as we go through the scriptures, not, not one time as he mentioned, to my knowledge, I, I may have missed it, I'm more than capable of, of missing things and, and making a mistake. I do it often, right? Just, just ask my family. But, but you know what you're going to discover? As, as I've read and I've studied, uh, he, he's, he's never doing anything but complaining. He's not the guy that's out there bringing people to Jesus. He's not behind the, the, the Jesus uh, movement and saying, hey, we need to get people to, to him. Other disciples are as, as recorded as leaving all and following him. Other disciples are, are recorded as saying, hey, we want you to come and meet the Christ. We, we found him. That, that's, that's never the case with Judas. He just, he just offers some criticism and, and some others jump in on the scene because there, there's a problem. We could have done something to meet a need. Isn't it amazing Sometimes we'll focus more on doing what we can for the temporary than what we could for the eternal. Because on one hand, we have a, a, a woman that's in a place where, where Jesus has been, and, and, and then we have this, this unnamed woman who, who comes in and she gives the perfume, and that perfume just begins to exude in the air and create such an aroma that it's almost convicting because the people who are doing nothing can, can see they, they can smell and they can probably taste by this point. And they say, look, we could have done something less. We, we could have done something else with that. There would be some people undoubtedly that, that would look and say, yeah, 1.4 million villages that are identified and, and there's people that are ready to go in and, and a staff that's there and, 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 and they'll do whatever they can to, to get the gospel to Jesus. Couldn't we do it a, another way? Probably but it's the way that's available. And why not do all you can to get the gospel to 1.4 million villages while you can? Coca-Cola is there. So how do you know that? You see pictures of people there with Coke in their hand. But, but Jesus isn't. Isn't it amazing that the scripture records a quarrel over the temporary versus the eternal. 
of, of what we're going to give our resources to and, and how we're going to steward what God gives us. Well, let's take a, a, a look a little bit further at what Jesus does. Because we had the problem. The critics didn't like it. They said, let's just give to the poor. But this woman said, why don't we just demonstrate our love to Jesus and, and show who he is. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is the one that is the difference maker. Well, let's, let's look. One last thing. Let's look at the passion of Jesus. It says in verse number six, but Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She's done a good work for me. She's done a good work for me. I wonder what good work Jesus could say that we have done for him. Just something to, to think about. He says, for you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, you know what I'm, I'm really pleased about right now? Is this is a statement of her faith. She may not understand everything, but she believes that I am who I say I am. And you guys, you've followed me. You've witnessed the miracles and all the other things, and, and you're worried about feeding the poor. And you know what? Feeding the poor, it's a great thing. Doing things for, for the poor, it's a needed thing. But, but you know what? Sometimes we just want to do social things because it makes us feel better. And do you know what happens when we do a social thing that makes us feel better, yet we never bring Jesus into the picture? Do you know what happens? There's another need that we do again, and another need that we do again, and another need that we do again. All the while, we're meeting a temporary need, yet we're not meeting the eternal need, the need of Jesus in the heart and life. So Jesus says, you'll have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good, but me... You do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial of her, to her, a testimony of what she's done. Do you know Jesus was, was passionate about recognizing her sacrifice to him? Jesus was passionate about her faith, her hope, her love, her faith. She believed that Jesus was who he said he was, her hope. She realized that Jesus had fulfilled all of those things, but, but her love was demonstrated and poured out. You know, it, it's possible for us to have faith. It's possible for us to know that Jesus is our hope, but it's also possible for our love to go undemonstrated in many aspects of our spiritual life. Yet Jesus recognizes this is what she has done. He said it was an act of love. She did what she could. Not what was comfortable, not what was easy, what she could. You see, when you look at the passion of Jesus, Jesus gets pretty fired up about what people are doing for him. And what we could and should do should be centered around him. And so when we think about the remarkable story of Jesus and the remarkable story of this woman, what, what do we see? Jesus was passionate about living for him while you can, like you could. So, so what do we have? We have an ordinary place with an unnamed woman who did what she could that fueled the passion of Jesus and is remembered today. What makes her unusual is this. She did what she could. That's what Jesus says. Not what was comfortable, what she could. Nothing more, nothing less, just what she could. And I wonder what would happen today if we would begin to realize what we really could do. What we really could do. 
She just comes up and gives a year's worth of wages right, right to Jesus in an act of love. She did what she could. She, she took something that could have been used in, in another area of her life, and she did what she could. She put her faith on display, and the Bible says that wherever the gospel is preached, she's remembered for it. Why? Because she did what she could. You know what Jesus is telling us? Every time we display our faith, every time we demonstrate our faith and hope and love in him and to him, it makes a difference. Now, as you follow Jesus through Mark chapter 14, here's what you're going to discover. You're going to discover that he goes into some different places and there's some different people. And what you're going to discover is the woman that did what she could in those verses we, we looked at is, is going to make an impact. But the people that sit around and criticized, they're, they're going to live the next two chapters on the run. They're, they're, they're going to live the, the next two chapters that, that you look at. Mark, the, the rest of Mark 14, the rest of Mark 15 is as being distant from Jesus. There, there was nothing that was distancing this lady from Jesus. She, she did what she could. The guys that wanted to go do something for the poor, they, they didn't even do anything for Jesus when, when, when they could. So today, let, let's really look at our life and say, am I doing what I could? Would my life be described by Jesus as he did what he could? She did what she could. What can we do? We can all give our heart to Jesus and trust him to be our savior. That's every one of us can, can do that because that's why he came. He came to go to the cross to pay for your sin and for my sin. And one of the things that we all could do is to give our heart to him, to say, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And Jesus, I'm asking you to be my savior. But where, where does it go from there? What we could do is, is different in every life. But here's the truth. When we do what we could do, Jesus makes note of it. And today, I hope that you'll let Jesus make note that you're doing what you could do. Let's pray. Before we pray, I just want to ask you today, have you done what you could by giving your heart, your life to Jesus, by inviting him to forgive you of your sins and to be your savior? Have, have you done that? The truth is that each and every one of us are sinners and we all need a savior. And that's why Jesus came into this world. He came into this world so that we might be able to, to see him live a perfect life to know that he died for us by becoming our sin, that he was buried and that he rose again. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to be your savior, I wanna encourage you right here, right now, no matter where you're at. A simple prayer that goes something just like this, from your mouth to the, to the heart of God. Maybe it's Jesus I know that I'm a sinner and I need you to forgive me and I'm asking you to forgive me and I'm asking you to be my savior. If you'll, if you'll offer that prayer, he'll do it. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's your faith. It's you believing in what he did. So acknowledge him today. Invite him. Ask him to be your savior. And he will. Maybe you're here today and you would say, John, I, I know that I've trusted Christ as my Savior, but I need help in doing what I could do. Not what's comfortable, not what's easy. As I sat with church planners last weekend in undisclosed areas of the world, and I listened to their stories, I thought, you know what? Every one of them could be doing something different, but they're not. They're doing what they could do. They could be a witness for Jesus. They could tell people about Jesus. They could give their life and all that they have to, to serve him, and that's what they did. They, they could have been doing something different, but 
they're doing what they could do. Risking their life to even come to a, a conference. Being associated when they go back to, to find someone that they could share Jesus with, but not only Jesus, so they, they could begin to train them and help them lead a local congregation that won't meet in a facility like this. They'll never own property. They'll never have a, a chair that they sit in on a weekly basis, but rather they'll meet in somebody's house and they'll pack in like, like sardines and they'll be there in a city, in a village where often there is no other place where they can go and worship, but they'll go there and they'll learn about Jesus and then they'll go and do the same thing because that's what they could do. As I, I listened to them share their stories, I thought, wow, how much more could we do if we just did what we could? Maybe today, that's your prayer. Lord, help me to do what I could do. Help me to live my life for you. Let's, let's pray. Lord, I come to you today and I just ask, Father, that you would help us to do what we could do. That you would help us to live our life for you so that when everything is said and done, our life can be summed up that we did what we could. Not what was easy, not what was comfortable. Not always what, what others wanted. Not even always as, as to what policy says, but to what you called us to do. Father, help us to live that life. And Father, help us to really think long and hard. Why does Coke have their product that meets a temporary need in 97% of the world. Yet 33% of the world doesn't know who you are. God, I pray that you'll let that bother us and help us to commit to do something about it. Not just in those 23 countries that there's already a plan and, and, and more is, is being developed for the entire world, but help us to bring it down to our neighborhoods, our homes, and to be concerned about people that are our friends that don't know Jesus. Because I could see the expression on faces as I asked the question, how many of you have ever had someone witness to you outside of a church setting? And the vast majority never have. And if it has happened, we can count it on less than one hand. Father, give us a passion to do what we could in living our life and using our resources to reach people for you. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home and allowing us to share hope with you. You know, when we think about the love of Jesus, it's absolutely amazing to stop and realize that he gave his life for you and for me. And all we have to do is simply put our faith and trust in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that changes us for all eternity. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be your personal savior, I wanna encourage you to do that right now. It's as simple as admitting that your life is not perfect, admitting that you've sinned, that you've missed God's mark of perfection and putting your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is God's love in action and he demonstrated his love for you and for me by going to the cross, by being buried and by rising again on the third day. And today, if you'd like to invite him to forgive you of your sins and to be your savior, I would encourage you right where you are just to simply say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. And he will do it. If you've made that decision today, please let us know. Please reach out to us. We would love the opportunity to help you learn more about who Jesus is and the incredible plan that he has for your life. If you are a part of the Harmony family, uh, you're part of our Harmony uh, online community and our online campus, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I want to invite you to start regathering with us in person if you would like to do so. But please remember, 
We're keeping everything online as well, so you're not going to miss out uh, on our Sunday morning experience and the other things that we've been doing through the week. We're going to continue to offer those and to continue to meet a need in your life. And if you would like to help us continue uh, to serve our community and, and literally the world, uh, we would encourage you to hop on over to harmonyofavon.com forward slash give, and you'll be able to help us continue the ministry and to make a difference, not only here locally, but globally as well. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home. And I pray uh, for God's greatest blessings in your life. And I hope that you'll continue to stay connected to us throughout the week. You have a great day.